Are you a good witch or a bad witch? A real house haunting, broom riding, cauldron stirring witch. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. My name is Grace McGrade, and you're listening to Bitchcraft. Spirituality for bad people. This is the podcast where we talk all things astrology, witchcraft, spirituality. I'm your host, Grace McGrade, Reiki master, astrologer, and bitch. Um, (laughs) As we record this, We are currently navigating some highly charged energies in the middle of an eclipse sandwich, or shitwitch, building up to the Gemini new moon solar eclipse. This is a strong energy and perhaps it's not the ideal time to record a podcast as this eclipse is conjunct Mercury retrograding in Gemini. Eclipses are timeline jumps, periods of rapid and great change, cosmic wild cards that create disruption for the highest good. The sun is currently in Gemini, which is about learning and teaching. It also kind of carries the energy of having to do things twice. There's a strong sense of duplicity, a strong urgency to explore and follow our innate curiosity. And this eclipse, which is conjunct Mercury retrograde, is bringing hidden information to light. Something previously obscured is coming into our awareness. Mercury retrograde squares Neptune and Pisces on this eclipse, adding an element of confusion, ungroundedness. So if you're feeling weird, that's probably why. If you feel like you're in a waking dream, that's probably why. And so despite the fact that we're receiving downloads of this higher information because Gemini rules our cerebral headspace and our cognitive thinking and the way that we perceive information, there's kind of this element of feeling a little bit floaty, a little bit confused about our next steps. We're in a corridor. We know what we're not returning to. We don't know where we're going. There's a strong element of change. Mars then enters Leo the following day, moving from the sensitive sign of the crab. Mars has been in Cancer, which has kind of made us hypersensitive and touchy and uh, a little bit reactive when we perceive that our sense of safety or security is being threatened. And it begins to enter Leo, which is motivating us towards creativity, perhaps making us egotistical little bit prideful, a little less sensitive, more animated towards romance, pleasure, fun, creating art. On June 14th, Uranus, planet of disruption, newness, innovation, rebellion, and awakening, will square Saturn in Aquarius. And this is one of the big events of 2021 where we are encouraged to collectively, because these are outer planets and apply to everyone, embrace newness and leave stale, stagnated patterns behind, particularly patterns of leadership, uh, changes to monetary systems. We can kind of anticipate some uh, cryptocurrency 
changes, global shifts, moving from the outdated and antiquated power structures to new, more innovative ways of caring for the Earth and our planet. Because Uranus is in Taurus, which is the sign of the Earth, and Saturn, which is our societal structures, is in Aquarius, which is kind of like the sign of the Internet. So this is an especially poignant astrological event, and it signifies an evolutionary shift to the established order of societies globally. Here we are encouraged to transcend our differences as a global community and embrace innovation and change. So there's kind of a tear between the organic and the natural and then the inorganic and the artificial. And I, I kind of see this as like a lot of our society Societal structures have moved online, like we're looking at community online. And there's also kind of a rift between that and this like pull to stay embodied and present and here in the here and now. Um, so that's kind of how I think it will affect us personally. But this date, give or take a few days, is probably going to cause some global event. I don't want to... <laughs> uh, anticipate a catastrophe, but, but I think it will be big. I think it will be big. Now we're gonna move into the interview segment of this podcast. We're gonna hear my conversation with Rowan Katz. Okay, I'm here with my dear friend, Rowan Katz. They are my best friend and also a very, very profoundly gifted healer, musician, wild spirit, <laughs> mushroom mystic, emergent angel, fierce forest babe, wielder of the sacred flame, Ocean Sprite, Voice of Heaven, Warrior of Delight, Freak Folk Fay Femme, and Poet of the Gods. Wow, Grace, what an introduction. Yes. Um, and it is my profound pleasure and honor to be your first guest on <laughs> Bitchcraft. Um, I'm obsessed with Grace. I have known her for over 10 years now. Yeah. And um, I love her so much. And for those of you who don't know Grace or might only know her through Instagram, um, Grace McGrade is also an incredibly gifted healer, oracle, witch, etc. Um, also known as the mouthpiece for the stars, a holistic anarchist, a sex goddess enemy of the Illuminati, <laughs> oracle of all oracles, suspiciously mermaid, and mischievously miraculous conduit of awakening. Suspiciously mermaid. Yes, that is you. You are without a doubt suspiciously mermaid. <laughs> oh my god. So first of all, part of the reason I wanted to have you on here as my first guest is because you are probably my favorite witch. Aww. 
And I kind of want to unpack that word. I really want to talk about your craft. I really want to talk about being a hereditary witch. But tell me, what do you feel like it means to be a witch? So thank you, first of all. That means a great deal coming from you Mm -hmm. uh, because you are definitely my favorite witch and definitely my favorite witch in in Los Angeles, to say the very least, which is there's a lot of fucking people here. But um, there's so... I did actually my undergraduate thesis on exploring what a witch is. And I went into different communities all over the country to talk to different people who identify as witches. Um, I pulled candidates for those interviews from the LGBT community, from communities of color. And I learned so much about that word. It's very complicated, but it's also as simple as you want it to be. It's a highly subjective term and there's so much superstition and vitriol around that term for people that come from outside magical communities and there's so much gatekeeping around that word within mm-hmm. communities. Um, for me, I grew up with the practice. My mom is a witch um, and was constantly told growing up to never ever tell anybody that we were witches, you know, that that was not a safe thing to tell people, especially I grew up in reform Judaism. And for all the wonderful accepting parts of that community, you couldn't just strut into synagogue and be like, hello. Hello, I'm here. It's I'm here. here. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been complicated, but I suppose where I stand with that term now is Being a witch looks different to everybody. There is no right way to do it, but there are wrong ways to do it. I think only in the sense though, that there aren't wrong ways to be a witch. There's just wrong ways to treat yourself and other people because they're toxic or they're harmful. Right. Um, And I think that people will wear certain mantles in society and then you know, people, it's easy to look at somebody and be like, oh, you know, you're doing witchcraft wrong, or you're using this thing to like be a bad person. And it's like, no, if you're making a choice to be an inconsiderate or abusive person, you're making that choice regardless of if you're a witch or a queer person or whatever your religion is. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, though, in a more global sense, right? Because the word witch is also heavily culturally contextualized. What, there are communities where it's perfectly okay to be a witch at this point in history in a place like Los Angeles. and and TikTok. Yeah, TikTok is an okay place to be a witch. (laughs) Um, But in in a global sense, what what being a witch might mean to us in these more progressive places is never going to be an acceptable mantle to wear for people who are still being persecuted and killed um, for being labeled as witches or identifying as such. And the word witch in a global context has often been synonymous with terms like shaman or doctor or healer. Um, I was even reading a piece recently. I'm going back to school to study psychology and I was reading this piece on how oftentimes within 
Western society, psychologists are looked at like witches or wizards or shamans, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is, it really differs like an outsider's perspective who doesn't have any training in this, their opinion of what a witch is, is going to be very different from what that means for someone in that practice to claim it. Um, For me at this point, I tend to identify more along the lines of a mystic perhaps than a witch, um, just because upon studying different traditions of mysticism, that feels more correct to me. But honestly, I'm I'm fine with wearing any of those mantles. It would be correct to say that I am any of those things. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter very much. What matters to me at the end of the day is, is my practice helping me and helping other people? Or is it harming me or harming other people? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, for me, I, when I think about, I read this amazing book called Psychic Witch, and it kind of went into this idea that witch comes from the word wise, which means one who knows. And my opinion is that everybody is doing magic all the time um, with their language, with their daydreams, their dark daydreams positive daydreams um and to be a witch is to just knowingly and carefully direct that magic that we all possess towards something changing but I also and I know you and I have talked about this a lot are witches born or made And also, do witches carry secret molecular weight on probabilities of reality? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And you and I have talked about this many times. I, first of all, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, you know, having a gift of seeing or developing that gift is like the witchiest thing that you can do. Hmm. Um, because it's also developing confidence in a skill that we've been taught to not develop confidence in, which is, it's very much vested in abstract ideas of the feminine or people who might be uncomfortable with that word could also call that, you know, the wild, the abstract, the poetic. Mm. And it's, it's secrets around intuition. It's stuff that doesn't translate easily in linear language yeah um and i often have this issue of people questioning well you know i don't believe in in magic you know which also differs so heavily depending on who you're talking to but i don't believe in magic because it can't be scientifically proven and my answer is always yet you know um we're talking about a system of science that does not that is based off of the colonization of indigenous practices and magical practices. So just because something has not been proven yet does not mean that it's invalid or false or not influenced heavily by bigotry in the first place, which leads me to this conversation around 
are witches born or are they made? I think that it's probably some combination of both. And I do think that, you know, I was even, I, I, uh, have been reading more lately about what geneticists now believe is actually the case when we talk about chromosomal DNA or how sex is defined, how biological sex is defined. And there's so much that we're finding out about cellular biology at this point that we didn't know. We, it turns out that as many as one in every a hundred people can have some intersex feature in their chromosomal DNA. And we also are finding out that our cells often have sexes of their own that might not be congruent with our the sex of our reproductive systems. Wow. So that leads me to thinking more about like on a level of what are our cells doing for us here and and what's going on on that level? Yeah, I think that there's absolutely, you know, something to be said for that that we might find out later on down the line. But in the meantime, I'm willing to think that so much of the energy that we are capable of exerting over reality has to do with developing our confidence in our belief. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you believe. Yeah. That's why I love magic because it's so inclusive. Like, wouldn't you want to believe in sort of your own capacity to shape and alter your reality or you know I feel like that is kind of what I mean it's funny because like a lot of the work I've been doing and I know you've been doing too is like ancestral healing work like clearing out inherited beliefs around you know money or scarcity or um, relationships or love and kind of trying to alter one's belief through doing magic, through doing ceremony, through doing ritual and sort of expunge things inherited through the bloodline in order to experience a different perception. Yeah, absolutely. That's so much of of what my practice has been and a lot of what your practice has been. And there's, I think that there's also something going on there on a cellular level. Yeah, big time. We know ancestral trauma is is in our DNA. And so when we consciously change the psychology or the embodiment of where that trauma lives within us, that is a deeply magical act. And this is to, again, drive home the point that science and magic have never been mutually exclusive, Um, that science has biases that run as deep as religion and, and that you know, who's to say if I'm just reprogramming myself, you know, and it's not magical, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, it is magical to me. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's only up for me to decide at this point. Um, So I think to that effect, magic is also hugely about taking back the power and crafting your own narrative and trusting yourself. And we live in a world that is so fear-based. We're still living in animal bodies that are incredibly fear-based and part of the transformation we're collectively undergoing as we evolve as a species is moving from the fear-based to the trust, 
we're moving out of the reptilian, the fighter. Yes. And yes. Yeah. We're transcending into, into faith and into trust. (laughs) I'm seeing the reptile in everyone. I need to heal the man within me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, that, that has totally been what I have been healing and working on is, um, that sort of fight or flight impulsivity transactional you know trauma-based response that kind of you know was shocked into my body before I had a choice and I do think like you know we've heard people refer to that as sort of like the you know divine feminine resurgence uh on the earth um where we're kind of leaning more into the heart than the mind and um yeah um, one of the things I kind of wanted to ask you is like, how do you feel as somebody who was brought up in a sort of family that uh, encouraged the craft? How do you feel about this sort of rise in like pop culture, capitalist, instant, insta magic? I think that capitalism and the parts of us that are indoctrinated with that is going to latch onto anything that can be sold. Um, and I used to be really angry about that. And it felt like a personal affront to me and to my family and to everyone who's ever been persecuted for secretly carrying this craft that Mm -hmm. felt really awful. Um, and then I, and then I had a lot of resentment and jealousy that there were people that could now just practice this out loud after I had had to carry it, you know, in secrecy. And there was shame around that for a long time. Um, But then I realized that my resentment is my responsibility Mm. and that I can be a gatekeeper or I can be an example. Exactly. And I have chosen to be an example. I've chosen to stop trying to exert control over how people are carrying this. And I've chosen to try and have compassion for the parts of them that believe that they need to buy something or wear something or participate in that cycle in order to believe in their prowess as magical people. Um, Because the reality is that they don't. Yeah. I would love to say that I've sort of overcome that resentment, but nope. I'm still, there's still an attitude of like, oh, you're new here. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) welcome um yeah I also think it's because you know it's an ancestral and a present wound that we carry to be called heretical and insane oh completely it's synonymous it's being a witch is totally synonymous with being called insane but also you have to be insane otherwise it wouldn't work and that's the thing is it works yeah definitely works yeah, you, you have to, by definition, be insane in a society that doesn't accept the type of thinking or feeling that comes along with a magical practice. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing that I want to say about that is, like, I, we see this trend over and over again where, like, people need space to experience righteous rage before they can resolve how they feel about something. You know, 
I don't know what that, what is happening there on a psychological level, but it's important not to shut down that process for people. It's important to say, hey, you are allowed to be angry about this if that is your process of understanding yourself and the world better. Um, my hope for people, I can't control this, obviously, but my hope for people is that in general, when that happens, that we do come to a space eventually where we don't constantly have to live in rage and in resentment. Totally. And on that note, I want to formulate 10 commandments of witchcraft. You, my dear. Let's do it. <laughs> so this, these 10 commandments are kind of guidelines based on our joint personal experiences, good and bad. A lot of which have been mishaps. Um, (laughs) 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 Um, You know, I kind of have been thinking a lot of, you know, it's such an interesting idea, like the birth of the internet, like this, you know, I think magic and spells and all of it, they would have been passed down orally or in secrecy kind of like in your family or my family where it was like, hush, hush, you know, like I remember my dad used to pull cards when I was a child while I was meditating. And he was very much like, don't tell anybody that we have these or we use these. Um, But suddenly because of the internet, everybody and their mother can kind of dive into anything with little backbone, with little kind of safety, with little understanding of things um, that could go wrong. And you and I have done, and I think part of being a witch is really kind of being a little bit, it's like the magician archetype, like being a little bit of a scientist, being a little bit experimental. And you and I have done a lot of shit wrong. (laughs) I think we've done most things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The first commandment, which we kind of touched on the other day, is about love spells and um it starts off uh you know with don't start a marriage with a kidnapping <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and there's and I want to add an addendum to that which is there's um I I need to find this person so you can maybe link them in in the podcast description but there was recently a really well-respected um, witch from the hoodoo lineage that I follow on um, Instagram. And they were just talking about how a lot of people resort to love spells because they don't, you know, they are living in a society which tells them that they're unlovable because they are black or brown or fat or queer and that we have to hold compassionate space for that experience too. But I think that ultimately what you and I have discovered over time is that anytime we're exerting our will over another person through magic, it is inevitably going to be a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, full full disclosure, the first, I mean, really kind of the the, the only love spell I did the only like direct love spell I did, I must've been about 19 and I 
got this candle at Pan Pipes in Hollywood. Oh, R.I.P. R.I.P. And uh, they dressed it. And it was this dude who, like, granted, I had already been, like, hooking up with. <laughs> but this doesn't mean that, like, there's consent there. And I do think that that's, it's really important to understand magical consent and, like, karmically binding yourself with somebody. You know, that's what a spell can do regardless of whether the feeling is fleeting or if it's an infatuation, you don't always want to be linked to that person forever. Um, And I did it and I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. I think I wrote out like, oh, like he's going to hit me up and he's going to have this dream about me. And I like wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, read it to the candle, kept the candle burning, forgot about it, which is another, uh, you know, something that can actually I think amplify spells is when you completely forgot that you that you've done them oh my god fully yeah and a couple months later he hits me up he's like I'm in your area takes me to a park Mm -hmm. recounts the dream that he had about me and then proceeds to try and like hook up with me and I was completely taken out of the experience because I was freaked out <laughs> it was the first time I was like oh my god this is real and what have I done and a sort of accumulation of sort of negative circumstances followed in which I realized I didn't like this guy you know there was a lot of kind of weirdness sort of eerie bump-ins and sort of like it was like we had been tethered by like an invisible thread that I like then needed to go and get a reversal and like return to pan pipes and be like hey what did I do make it stop help (laughs) um but yeah don't do it don't do it don't what and also like what love spells are loud or good and which ones aren't it's also like If you feel that it's that necessary to do a love spell on somebody for them to give you the type of love or attention that you want, there is a, there is a deeper problem happening there, which is like, you should probably recognize that this person is not a good match for you. And that, you know, there is someone else out there who probably is, we live on a planet full of billions of people. Um, So yeah, I think that there's always room, there's always room in a magical practice of any kind to have a lot of self-awareness and to not, don't treat magic like a vice. Mm. I I almost feel like that should be our second commandment is don't treat magic like a vice. Um, Yeah. Don't treat magic like cigarettes or fast food. Yeah, it's sacred. And also, I think the energy you bring to it is the energy you're going to get out. Like, I don't do spells when I'm angry or upset. Yeah. Unless I'm asking for help transmuting. Anymore. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Did you ever have an experience? I mean, have you ever cast a love spell? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I don't know if I've ever told you about this, but I... I once tried to cast a love spell in um, my college dorm, like in my first semester of college, which was so fucking haunted. It used to be the morgue for the hospital across the street. Oh my God. 
And I knew not to do that. Like I'm raised in this practice, but like you can be raised in the practice. You you can be raised knowing right from wrong and be 18 years old and be like, fuck that. Um, and I did, I did a love spell to it not it wasn't for someone who was already in my life I think it was me trying to call love in but it came from such a deeply wounded place in me and the spell was so not well thought out and it was literally just done from this place of like desperation and like anxiety um and like the next the next few lovers I manifested were just the worst like I manifested them very quickly but one was like a cocaine addict who ghosted me (laughs) and um he had the he had spring break 2012 tattooed on his ass no fucking way give you an idea of like what what kind of person you're going to attract if you are doing love spells from a place of desperation. <laughs> like they will come, they will not be what you want them to be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a really important thing to know. I think that the energy you put into a spell is always the energy you're going to get out. And that's why things like um, casting circles and sort of like summoning your own and sourcing your own love is really important because love and you know is creative energy you know it, it really is and so much of this you know you want to talk about spirituality for bad people like i am an addict i'm in recovery um i choose to identify as an addict because it's not something i'm ashamed of it's something that helps me in my healing process because i have an awareness of that quality inside of me and I used magic like an addict, you know? I, I reached for it a lot to fill a void within me um, when what I really needed to do was heal myself. And that's when my practice, you know, as, as in my process of recovery, um, you know, away from, from alcohol and drugs, I, my practice has not been about other people or, or abundance. I mean, it's been about abundance, but it has, I've not been doing like money spells or love spells. I've just been really focused on cultivating compassion for myself and asking and asking myself, how can I do the deep work? How can I do the healing work? How can I do the ancestral trauma work for, you know, almost four years now? And it's not linear and it can be very grueling and it can also be very, very joyful. Completely. And I'm not saying that everyone's practice needs to look like that, but I'm saying have an awareness of why you're using magic or why you're drawn to it. And is it, are you just interested in this in the short term to get what you want? Or do you want to dedicate yourself to this occult, meaning hidden, meaning hidden for a reason, knowledge? Yeah. And I also think that magic is intrinsically connected to the earth and the cycles of the bodies. I mean, like what I do is very elemental. Mm -hmm. And in that it's like, I began when I started doing magic and like, keep in mind, it was all for calling in love. It was all for calling in money. It was all for calling in jobs. When I started doing that, I would get all of those things 
And I don't know why it, it worked for me. I think maybe some of it is hereditary. And I think some of it is just, like I said, I'm insane enough to believe that it will work and therefore it does. But I began to really question, am I just regurgitating cultural memes or do I actually know what I want? You know, and, and am I adding sort of smog to the ether and sort of repeating, like, am I even like enforcing capitalism even further by um, trying to do magic to get the system to work for me? Um, and those were really important questions. And I think that that, like my, my magical journey, it did not start, it, you know, it became a healing journey, but it did not start that way you know? Yeah. I and I think that's, a lot of, yeah. that, that's, what's really cool is because it, it took, it moved me towards Reiki. It moved me towards the ancestral work, like almost like it had a consciousness of its own, but insofar as, um, the topic of addiction, what are we on commandment four or three, 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 don't do spells when you're drunk. Or in top <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, don't do magic when you're fucked up. I mean, I mean, I think that there are caveats to that. Like, don't, you know, I would say, like, some people incorporate n- n- substances medicinally into their practice. That's, you know, like, we have to honor, you know, that, that is part of certain people's practice. And it's certainly part of a lot of indigenous practice. Completely. Yeah. Like it, like in sort of voodoo, um, like the voodoo priest will get really intoxic, you know, drunk so that spirits can sort of work through him. But I do think that for sort of baby witches, what alcohol does is that opens your auric field. And it opens you up. I mean, it's literally spirits. It's fermented. So it's the frequency of dead things. You do not want to be doing spells when you're drunk. Because I think that's when things like entity attachments or, you know, there's just, just bad things can happen. Yeah, which, which has happened to me. I've been, an entity has attached to me before. What was that like? <laughs> it was, I mean, it was horrifying, honestly, because um, it was a very personal experience, but um, it identified itself to me as Azrael, the angel of death. And it was not the angel of death. Um, it was... Fake news. Yeah, fake news. Demons will do that. They will. They'll lie. They'll lie. And you won't know better, you know? Um, if you're not really situated in your practice or casting circles of protection or, yeah. you know, and, and as, as someone who was at that point in time and an active alcoholic, my auric field was constantly open. I had no semblance of energetic hygiene. I wasn't doing anything in my life that had patience or like logic attached to it. So obviously my magic wasn't operating that way either. Mm-hmm. It was very um, selfish without being caring towards myself. And I let that entity in and it took me a long time to expel that entity. It took me a genuinely long time. Um, and it was dark. 
You know, it was weird. It was a dark experience. If people who are listening to this want to ask me more about that or ask Grace more about that, you know, or research it, they can, but no, don't, don't dabble with substances in your practice until, you know, you, you have a really clear idea of what you're doing. That's my best advice. Obviously people are going to do what they're going to do and that's fine, but yeah, great. I also know that you, Grace, have had some not great experiences using alcohol and magic. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I did everything wrong the first <laughs> years that I was like, I mean, I was experimenting and like, I remember, I think I found this book. It was called um, The Seals of Solomon. Oh God. <laughs> I, and I was just all over the place. I was just fucking trying all, all kinds of things. And it wasn't until I was sort of, you know, over my sort of, you know, the age of 19, sort of like partying and just kind of getting regrounded and resituated. And I think it was before I moved to Scotland and I got Reiki and I felt something leave my body. And I was like, oh, like I haven't even been fucking running the show, you know, like this is terrifying. Like I actually need to learn how to do this. I need to learn how to give myself Reiki so that I'm never in this situation again, because it manifested as a depression, um, a deep depression. And that is often the case, I think, with um, entity attachments is they kind of, it it feeds on fear. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I was doing all kinds of crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. And, um, for, for people out there who are wondering, well, what can I do to, to not do that? Well, okay. Don't use alcohol and substances recklessly. When you and those, because those are energetic frequencies. They are. Yeah. They, they are. Yeah. Everything we put in our body has an energetic frequency. And by the way, that too is, is, has to do with science. We now know that there's neurons in our gut and that are the microbacteria in our gut are deeply connected to the health of our of our brain and our body and they're deeply connected to our emotional well-being and they're deeply connected to that ancestral trauma um and so when you put substances or food of any kind in your body that's going straight to the gut and is definitely going to have an effect on what you're thinking and what you're feeling completely and that, and I think that sometimes entity possession can manifest as like thought spirals, you know, or emotional energy, you know, thoughtful physical element too. Yeah. And what about um, drunk psychic readings? Oh my god! Yeah. You and I have definitely talked about this a bunch. We've both. Um, <laughs> I I've been a professional. I've been reading and studying tarot since I was 10 years old. Um, my mother gave me my first deck, the herbalist tarot when I was that age. And um, I would read for moms like at the bus stop on um, in Hollywood. I grew up in Hollywood. And um, yeah, as I, I started reading for money when I was like 18, you know, which is a whole other case of like, you know, when should you start accepting money for that type of thing? It's different for everybody. I 
had eight years of study and training before I felt even remotely comfortable accepting money for it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, man, there were a lot of times when I was reading for people while intoxicated and I was just channeling information for them. <laughs> Did not want or need to know. <laughs> I was not giving this information to them in like a nice or wholesome way either. I was just so deep in trance. It was just like, I'm sure it was traumatizing for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and beyond that, beyond even giving readings, I would just walk the fuck up to people at parties and be like, um, your mom died when you were 13. And it's like, was I right? Yes. Was I being an asshole narcissist because that person didn't need to be randomly traumatized in the middle of a party? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's a commandment. Don't like, don't give readings to people who aren't asking for it and do it when you're fucking grounded and sober. I mean, I, you know, I've talked to you about this going up to people at parties and being like, your mother, she was bipolar. (laughs) Like (laughs) nobody fucking needs to hear that. No. In the, in the wise words of Stevie Nicks, I keep my visions to myself. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah she knows she knows for sure yeah Um, yeah and I don't remember which commandment one I think this might be six Mm -hmm. maybe our listeners can correct us if they're counting later on but um yeah um I, I think to that effect, also, one, one of these commandments should definitely be um, have a practice for energetic hygiene. Yeah, and we did a whole workshop on this. Yeah. And this, it's so, like, I feel like I'm aging backwards with magic. Like, it's become so much purer than it started. Mm-hmm. But that has been such a heavy theme I think particularly this year and sort of like the cesspool of darkness that we've been coming out of but that's really 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 vital and should be done as often as physical hygiene you know because we absorb thought forms emotions energy from other people you know yeah um absolutely and energetic hygiene can look like so many different things and practices and again energetic hygiene is mirrored in the way that we care for our bodies and our spaces um and you know what we put into our bodies etc cetera, etc cetera. If, if any of you listening are interested in getting that workshop that Grace and I did. We do have that recorded. Um, yeah, that was powerful. And I mean, to kind of distill it down, like for example, a lot of my energetic hygiene involves recalling misplaced energy, um, smoke clearing, salt baths, visualization, toning, uh, using objects like crystals or organite. But also it involves starting to really see everything as energy and thinking about 
okay, where am I going? Who am I seeing? What am I taking on? What situation am I gravitating towards and why? Yeah, totally. And everybody's like these sort of like nuclear pools of ideas and thoughts and language and words. And, you know, the people you spend the most time with, I think you begin to, to mirror and kind of merge with. So that the, the embodiment of that is also something that I think is an ongoing process for me. Yeah, I completely resonate with that for myself as well. And, you know, let's talk about sex. sex. Okay. Sex is an important part of this. We're talking about energetic hygiene. Um, you know, we've already... <laughs> talked about like that also has to do with what you put inside of your body is going to dictate a lot of your your energy and your wellness and that includes dick okay (laughs) um whether it is silicone dick or flesh dick or whether flesh dick man flesh having non-penetrative sex whatever your flavor is just having that type of of intimacy with people is it's intense and we need to be it's hard because I feel like just so many of the things that we're talking about you know the reason why people don't do these things or why they will let people or food or experiences etc etc into their life that aren't good for them it ranges so heavily that you know Everyone's got different trauma. Everyone's got different beliefs about themselves, but this is the healing work. You know, what we're talking about right here is having a magical practice is, and, and having that magical practice really serve you and serve other people over the course of a lifetime. It takes healing work. And if you're serious about it, you will not be able to stay in toxic situations with patterns or people. You just won't. Yeah. I mean, it, I think it's it's it, it starts to become less about doing rituals and more about seeing everything as as spirit, seeing everything as energy, and being mindful. Yeah, and, and sex and, is the ultimate form of magic. I mean, it's the only thing that has the power to bring new life. Yeah, to existence, and I mean that's been a really hard learning lesson for me. Is Having to be really, because I mean, every time I fucking go through a breakup, there's like decording, there's fucking yoni steams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I gotta like air out my vagina, calling some fairies <laughs> to do some vagina fairies, some really vagina fae to sort of live on probiotics and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, what would that commandment be? Um. I don't know. Thou, thou shalt accept the sanctity of sex. Completely. And I think that we live in this culture where it's like, there's such a, and I think this is like, to bring it back to astrology, like the Pluto and Scorpio generation, where we're dealing with themes like extreme hedonism and like, you know, being raised on pornography and like having this very transactional, unhealed masculine experience of sex, which is very kind of externally in your face, not really inclusive for like the fabric 
and the sort of like quantum material that can be exchanged, whether it's through, because if you know enough about like magic, you know, like bodily fluids are magical. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so sex is magic. It just is. Yeah, it it absolutely a hundred percent is. And um yeah, also yeah, that's somebody you don't want to be. Even the fact that we're taught to have sex to orgasm, you know, it's it takes away a lot of the realms of intimacy and self-discovery and embodiment that can take place during a sexual experience because we're doing it for this it's you know it's so funny how we're just doing it for this uh whatever very short period of pleasure um and i think even looking at sex like that is um further removing ourselves from what it can be as a sacred act and how it can serve us that way completely um, and it's very hard. It's hard to do these things. And I, I also want to go back a little bit and say, <sighs> I have uh, complicated feelings about even using a word like toxic. It's easy for me to throw that word into the mix of a conversation because it's uh, it's a buzzword and I've gotten very very unhealed. Yeah. And, and to say that also we have to examine the fact that if we're letting unhealed um, sort of violent things into our life, that is always a reflection of what is unhealed in us. Right. And, and that, thank God, a lot of us do at this point have the agency to be able to walk away from certain things. And that has not been the case for a lot of history. And that's still not the case for a lot of people that are being subjected to forceful oppression that they cannot escape. So we're also honoring our agency by choosing to heal and choosing to walk away from the things that don't serve us when we're not actually being trapped by them. Yeah. Um, and that takes a great deal of courage and it's a process and it, you know, it takes a village. Yeah, I mean, it's the message that keeps coming back. Yeah. The message that keeps coming back. Yeah. Um, as within, so without, as above, so below. That's the next commandment. Everything we're experiencing externally is a stage set of the vast subconscious, which is the feminine. Mm -hmm. And if you want something that will make you feel better about you, you can't have it until you feel better about you. And I think that that is key with all kinds of magic. If you're looking for something to fill a void, you're just going to get things that mirror that void. Things that are almost what you're looking for, but not quite until you can I think give yourself the emotional experience and sort of source from your own love and light. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of like universally throughout a lot of shamanism and kind of occult philosophy. It's the idea that, uh, you know, as within, so without. Mm -hmm. As above, so below. Yeah. And, um, and to the effect that I think that, 
it's so hard for us to be present with ourselves because we've been taught to, there's nothing wrong with relying on other people, of course, or environments to give us a sense of place or identity or whatever, you know, we're, we're on this earth having an egoic experience, you know, our identities do matter here. You know, not everyone is just going to achieve enlightenment and completely divest from every sense of self, right? But like, I think that in a way we are avoiding certain types of ego death. Um, I mean, even Buddhism talks about the middle path, right? Even Buddhism isn't saying, hey, come here to become enlightened by ridding yourself of everything in your life. It's saying, no, let's walk a middle path between having an egoic experience and having a non-egoic, non-dual divine experience. And I think the reason why so many of us are so deeply uncomfortable with sitting with the void in us is because that void is actually the divine. Exactly. Um, And it's terrifying for us to be present with that because it is so far removed from our understanding of our identities as they exist through various labels or how various people see us or how our environments have shaped us. Yeah, completely. Completely. How many more commandments do we have? I feel like that was seven or eight. That was seven. We have three more commandments. Um, I think one of them needs to be about honoring indigenous culture um, and giving back. Yeah. Magically. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, that's so, that's so fucking important. Oh my God. I mean, first of all, indigenous people protect, what is it? 80% of the world's biodiversity or something like that. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. We humans are, the human species is indigenous to this earth. And often we like to think about ourselves as parasites that don't belong here, but we do. We just have come so far away from being stewards of this earth. Yeah. Um, and we and the one of the reasons why that's happened is through violent colonization and through the genocide of bodies and culture and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, I also think that there's been like mass genocide of indigenous cultures because of magic, you know, because of that mysticism, you know, because of Christianity wanting to kind of stampede anything that was um in tune with those cycles and as a result if we are at a place societally where we're able to kind of explore these things without being burnt at the stake or murdered or you know whatever I think that that first and foremost our craft should be about reparation about protecting the land and protecting those cultures Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that you we can't just like bypass genocide that has come out of the practice of magic and it it's you know yeah it's heavy and it's important and it's sad because even when we look at 
you know, Christianity is not a monolith and Christianity, the type of Christianity that has been very violent um, in the world has just been a tool of greedy, probably possessed people. Mm-hmm. And that there have also been waves of incredible Christian mysticism. And I do personally believe that Jesus was probably an, an amazing person you know, an amazing teacher, um, an amazing friend. And pretty much, like, I think that Jesus was probably a witch. <laughs> like, um, Jesus was a witch. Jesus is definitely a witch. And he came here to tell us that we're all witches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, <coughs> it's just sad. It's sad to see what happens. And it's, it's sad it's sad when anybody uses anything as an excuse to commit genocide on people because we've also seen so many times throughout history that, you know, people have used others' Christianity as an excuse to carry out genocide on them. We've seen that in um, Armenia. We've seen it in Palestine. We've seen it all across the globe. And it's, again, this brings me back to the whole thing of like, call yourself a witch or call somebody else a witch, but know that underneath that, that is not the reason why they're choosing to be an oppressive, abusive person. You know, um, we can look at religious systems, we can look at cultural systems and say, you know, you're oppressing me because you're straight or you're oppressing me because you're a Christian. And it's like, no, that person has chosen to stay indoctrinated for whatever reason into a system that promotes abuse, colonization, and genocide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's really sad. Yeah. And I think it also brings us back to like doing that ancestral work and like, you know, uh, healing the unhealed masculine within and why that's important, that sort of need to dominate or control you know, healing the colonizer within. Absolutely. um, Yeah. Through dismantling um, some of those belief systems, examining, Mm -hmm. you know, doing kind of like the Mm self-work. And it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't be a fucking colonizer in your magical practice. And that doesn't mean you know, whatever, everyone has different opinions on this. My opinion is that doesn't mean just sit around calling people out for appropriation over the tiniest things all day long. Yeah. I mean, I also mean, I think like, it means like sourcing your materials, um, from your, you know, own heritage, or if you're going to source materials, um, or sort of become somebody who wants to do a hodgepodge of a lot of different cultures, get permission. And also I think, you know, make financial reparations if you're able and willing to do that. Totally. Yeah. I think financial reparations mean a lot. And I think that. Cause that's energy, you know, there's a huge difference between coming to the table thinking, thinking that you're the shit and that you just automatically have a place at the table, you should bring humility with you wherever you go, regardless if it's your own practice or somebody else's just stay humble, you know, don't stay too humble. Like, you know, you're also the shit, but you know, I think that it is, I will say, I think it's, 
it's hard for people to get permission because you're never going to get permission from an entire culture, religion, or diaspora. Yeah. Um, but I think that if you do it with your heart in the right place and that you don't do it with a ton of ego, most likely you're going to end up trying to respect and honor that tradition, even if you're not doing it perfectly. Totally. Um, and what about um, curses, hexes? Oh, yeah, we should definitely talk about that. Um, is this our last commandment? We're on nine. We have one more. So, okay, hexes, hexes, hexes. This is a tough one. You and I have talked about this a lot. I think a lot of people in the magical community have talked about this a lot because, like, I am, I don't believe in nonviolence. Okay. Um, like, I would not identify myself as a pacifist. Um, I believe in leaving room for righteous rage and for self-defense. So that's a complicated question for me. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about your feelings about that? Well, I've definitely done some magical self-defense. Like I'm not opposed to sort of uh, sending things back energetically um, if I feel like I'm being attacked. But, you know, it's the rule of three. Whatever you send, you get back threefold. Mm -hmm. um, and I have, in instances of sort of like feeling abused, done, a, you know, I don't even know that it was a curse. I think it was more like, I was hurt and angry and pain and I wanted something to stop. And I think it, you know, with all my sort of <laughs> with the glorious bandwidth of emotional energy that I go through <laughs> in the course of about an hour, I think that, you know, it kind of evolved into some kind of, uh, you know, karmic whatever, but also like, I'm not in charge of anybody else's karma. And like, I need to learn how to let, uh, the divine take the lead with some of that. Um, but yeah, like, uh, like, is it ever okay to curse a rapist? Is it ever okay to hex an abuser? Is it ever like, those are important questions. Yeah. I think that it's very hard to say to somebody, your rage is important and meaningful, but how far does that need to go into perpetuating cycles of violence? And for me, where that occurs is I'm a survivor of sexual assault and rape. And I most of, mostly I've come to a place in my practice where I just, I have done a lot of praying for the deep, deep healing of the people that exerted that violence onto me. Yeah. and on other people that they've exerted that violence towards. And I've mostly turned my magical energy in on myself. And that has been the most helpful thing to me, you know? And I'm not everybody. Like, this is years and years in the making for me, and this is part of my recovery and all of these things. But if, any, if I'm going to do anything close to a hex on anybody at this point, it's going to be along the lines of just like, stay the fuck away from me 
and work on yourself. Like basically the closest thing I've done to a hex in the past four years or so is like, may this person be confronted with the wound inside of them. And honestly, I don't think that there is a worse way to hex somebody. There is nothing that is ever nothing that is more powerful than that. Yeah. I mean, that's a truly terrifying experience. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Um, also, I like I will say, like Hopopono, which is a Hawaiian mantra, which is "I love you, uh, thank you, please forgive me," or "I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me, thank you." Mm-hmm. I do that with people who I feel psychically attacked by, or people who I have like unresolved issues with, and it fucking works. You know, like it fucking works. It fucking works. And I also think that that's a really good way for me to clear my field. Yes. Is to kind of like see those people in my mind's eye, say that. Thank you. I love you. Please forgive me. You know, et cetera. I've said it like a hundred times. And I think in the, in the following days, like I got all these like messages from people apologizing to me. And it was because once again, as above, so below, as within, so without, if you source your own sense of peace and forgiveness and love, that is what you're going to get back. Yes. And, and what you're talking about too here is, um, you know, there's different, there's so many different ways of increasing loving kindness and compassion for yourself and for other people. Some people do that through this practice you're talking about, or, a different kind of affirmation or um, a meta meditation. And that, you know, that in itself is, to me, has been one of the most healing things I've personally gone through. Yeah. Um, I think that, I do want to say that at some points, I think maybe I have had a tendency to lean almost too far in that direction. And I think that we should talk about, um, there's a word for this. You and I have talked about this before, but it's a form of spiritual gaslighting Mm -hmm. um, where we tell people that they should constantly lean more into compassion and forgiveness, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is why I prefer the word witch to healer, because I can be, my my rage is righteous. Like, look at our fucking planet. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I completely feel comfortable tapping into that. And there's no need for me to suppress that sort of spectrum. Like I said, that emotional bandwidth. I think that it's important to get mad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like the earth is mad, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, this isn't a path of all love and light, but it is a path of, I think, truth. Yeah, it is a path of of truth. Yeah. And I think that that should be our 10th commandment is like, accept yourself, live in your truth, have fun and be yourself. (laughs) Push those tits up, honey. (laughs) Those tits up, honey. Confidence is key. Head up, tits out. That's, yeah. Is, yeah, own your shit. Whatever your shit is, own it. And don't look to other people to validate that for you. Um, which, you know, is a piece of advice that 
sounds like it has a lot of bravado and people have heard it over and over again their whole lives. But what I think where I arrived at that sentiment, where I arrived at that conclusion is three years of grueling healing work to even be able to have a semblance of an idea of what it means to really, really honor myself and my divine truth and my path without needing to rely on others to, to validate that or contextualize that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, obviously we need others to contextualize our experience, but we don't need others to validate it. I agree. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, you and I talk about this stuff so much, Grace, and I'm pretty sure we're going to be friends until we're so fucking decrepit. And until angry. we're crones. Until we're crones. Mother maiden crone. We're going to be so crony together, dude. I can't wait to be an old witch. Yeah, I can't wait to just sit on a porch with you like smoking Damiana out of a pipe and like spitting at children or whatever we're going to be doing. I remember the great awakening of 2020. (laughs) I remember the unhealed masculine. (laughs) It was awful. It was terrible. Reptile ran the world. All the men were unhealed and they were running things. (laughs) And then they all went to therapy. Oh, God, I'm wet. So hot. Um, yeah. Okay, any footnotes? Any, uh, do you want to kind of talk a little bit about the services you offer for anybody who might be interested in working with you? Yeah, sure. I, I haven't had my books open for a little while. Um, I've been focusing on other things, but if you want to find me on Instagram and ask me questions about my practice or what I do, I do offer um, energy work and I do do tarot. Um, And I'm at Rowan Katz on Instagram. And um, you can also find my music under the same name on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, and thank you so much for having me do this with you, Grace. Yeah, thanks for coming on the pod. Yeah. I am also of many. Sp- what? The first of many. Yeah, and I just also wanted to say everyone stay stay subscribed. Like I'm obsessed with Grace. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're obsessed with Grace. It's a very good decision to be making in your life. <laughs> stay obsessed and tune in for all of the other wonderful podcasts i definitely know i'm going to be super excited about that and and continuing to listen and tune in and yeah thanks boo all right i love you and i'll talk to you soon talk to you soon thank you so much for joining me and rowan katz on this podcast I hope you guys found that informative. I hope you enjoyed the Ten Commandments of Witchcraft. I hope that nobody listens to this and does drunk love spells. We made the mistake so you guys don't have to. Join us on our next episode with my friend Harper Cullen, actress, 
patron saint of Gemini's who will be closing out Gemini season with a bang. That's all for this week. I'm your host, Grace McGrade. Come find me on Instagram at Grace McGrade. And if you're interested in booking a session with me, go to palpablemagic.com forward slash sessions. I also have new moon and full moon guides available on my Patreon page, which you can find via my Instagram. Thanks for listening. Stay bitchy, stay witchy. Blessed be. We are find the witch, may we burn Bitchcraft. 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 Bitchcraft.